Greetings, this is Olive, the Feminine Princess on the Art and Science of Femininity, sharing with you the treasures, riches, and secrets of feminine creativity and knowledge for women who follow Christ. called by the Lord to dedicate Aaron and his sons 
to priesthood and to explain to them and expound on the service of a priest and God allowed him to marry a daughter of one. I found that very interesting. Going back to Zipporah, we know that she looked different from Moses because she thinks that Moses is an Egyptian. And the reason she thinks that is because Moses grew up as an Egyptian. He grew up in the Egyptian household. The relationship between Moses and Pharaoh was probably uh, familiar as in father to son because Pharaoh's sister is the one who brought up Moses in her household as if he were her own son and ironically she hires his real mother to nurse him and take care of him so Moses has this Egyptian background and probably still looks like one has the spirit of one has the appearance of one and so when Zipporah looks at him she thinks that he is one and yet we find from historical records that Zipporah was a woman of color Moses was probably not as colored or tanned as Zipporah was because he was brought up under Pharaoh's home in rooms that in what was probably known as a palace at that time, as opposed to his brethren who were working under the sun, who, whose color was more evident. So Moses probably um, was a lighter complexion at this point. Looking at Zipporah, she was probably the firstborn. There was some unspoken rule that the firstborn must get married first and the firstborn must be offered first. Uh, it was something known throughout the land that the firstborn was special. And um, if you want to know more information about the firstborn, write it in the comments below. I have a lot of information about why the firstborn is special and why other nations probably um, acclimated to that firstborn thought as well. The reason I believe that she was the firstborn is because her father Jephro or Raul offered her as a wife to Moses as opposed to her other sisters. They didn't get offered, but she did. We know that she was content, as far as the scriptures speak, to live with this man that her father match made for her. We see in Hebraic culture that matchmaking is not uncommon. It's, it's rather common and familiar because many women are connected with their husbands through usually a father or a close uh, confidant of the father making the match. We also know, especially from hearing a previous story I shared on one of the women, that she is also carrying the tradition of going to water her flocks or her father's flocks at the well. And she probably, her and her sisters, were strong and able and capable to water all of their flocks. I want to call your attention to the other portion of scripture where the Lord is talking to Moses about how he is going to deal with Pharaoh. I never had the full revelation of the scripture and I researched online and discovered many people were perplexed by it and looking into it they 
because they don't have the original Hebrew text or the reference points or understanding how biblical literacy works, they made assumptions about the pronouns given in the scripture and kind of mixed up who did what. And so I actually found clarification on this passage and some of the confusion may lie in uh, multiple versions out there of the word, but if you stick to the closest one or look at it in the Hebrew, then you can have clarification of the references and all the italics that were added to provide clarification, um, which may end up confusing one even more, are removed. I want to try to unpack this and make this clear as possible because it's clear in my head, but I want to articulate it so that you can understand as well. So the Lord is talking to Moses and saying, that I would like you to let Israel, my son, go. Now he's saying Israel, and we know up to this point that Israel was Jacob having 12 sons and became a great nation and went into Egypt under the command of Joseph and stayed in Egypt and became a great people. But God is not just saying Israel, my people. He's referring to Israel as one, as a son, one son. So keep that in mind. That's very important to know because it's going to clarify the scripture. God is referring to Israel as his son. Later in the conversation, he says that since Pharaoh will not let my people go, I will kill his firstborn. Now, one can interpret that and say, oh, he's going to kill Pharaoh's firstborn. But remember, is referring to a son. He's referring to a group of people. You have the previous example when he says, Israel, my son. So now when he talks about Pharaoh, his son, his firstborn, it's not just Pharaoh's firstborn. It's Pharaoh's people. It's Pharaoh's firstborn sons as a people. So right after God talking about that, we have that reference point that he's comparing two groups of people and not letting one go, one is the other's going to be sacrificed. So right after it says it came to pass by the way in the end. Now it doesn't say that Moses was in the end. It doesn't say Moses was even frequenting an end. It just says by the way, in the end, I would think an inn would be in a place with much traffic, with a lot of commerce, and probably not the place that Moses was dwelling at the time. So it says, at that end, the Lord met him. Now that him word, people assume it to mean Moses, but it actually is referring to the firstborn of Pharaoh. So it says, the Lord met the firstborn of Pharaoh, and sought to kill him. Now, it would make sense that he is referring to the firstborn of Pharaoh because he just got through talking about that is the person he wanted to kill. So that's one evidence of proof. The second evidence of proof is that at this time, the differentiation between those who were God's people and those who weren't was one thing, and that was, was through the covenant of circumcision. So those who were circumcised 
were those who kept the covenant with the Lord and were his people. And those who weren't circumcised were other nations who didn't have a covenant with God. This so, is probably why the Lord was on his way to annihilate the firstborn because he had no covenant with him. But right after that, it says, then Zipporah took, then Zipporah took. Okay, so you have to ask yourself, what happened in between that time and why did it shift to Zipporah? If you know that with covenant are those who are circumcised and without covenant, those are not circumcised. And Moses being trained as a leader has a responsibility to make sure his sons get circumcised right under the covenant, just like his forefathers were. Unfortunately, he did not. And because he did not, Zipporah, unbeknownst to us, was made aware of this covenant, was made aware, probably as the priest's daughter understood things about covenant. That circumcision was necessary for them to have covenant with the Lord. So I think all that was going on in between the lines that we don't have a full recorded reference on. But we know because of her actions, she was made aware of this. So after taking the sharp stone to cut off the foreskin of her son, which unknown is his age, it says that she cut off the foreskin. So an explanation was brought up that the son would probably not be desiring his mother to do this, would not stand still or, or allow this to happen because he's probably terrified. So an explanation was given that Moses is actually the one holding the son down so that she can cut him. And once she did it, it was so disgusting to her that she had a nasty response. <laughs> that she had a nasty response. She called him a bloody husband. How nasty is that? <laughs> Explanation is that he held the boy down because look at the next verse. This one little phrase proves that. We know that when it talks about the Lord, it capitalizes his pronoun or his name. Neither of those are capitalized in this next verse. It says, he let him go. He lowercase, him lowercase. He lowercase Moses, him lowercase his son. So Moses let his son go because the circumcision was over. And again, at that point, she calls him a bloody husband. I think that's a valid explanation. So what can we learn from Zipporah, the femininity of her time? Well, when we know in Hebraic culture, it's very good to keep your covenant with the Lord and uh, very important for men to hold up their side of the covenant. But if not, and you know that the Lord is seeking those who are for him and those who aren't, then I think it's wise what support did. Even though it disgusted her utterly, the fact that she stepped in and did what her husband was supposed to do just to save her son's life is very feminine. She thought she went outside of herself, even though it was very crude and nasty and disgusting to 
chop off the foreskin of her own son, you know, because she wasn't brought up in Hebrew culture, but she understood covenant and she knew that if she did not do this because her husband had not that the lord might take him along with the other firstborn that did not have covenant with him so i think we can learn from her is that if there is someone even in our lives that is not stepping up to the challenge we need in order for the blessings of the Lord to flow and the protection of God that we can momentarily or tempor temporarily step into that place and, and handle what needs to be done at that time. Now, of course, she was not pleased with doing this, but for some reason, Moses neglected to do this. She stepped in and did it. So I admire her for doing that, and that's definitely a very unfeminine thing to do, but it is very feminine to protect her son and to make sure he is kept alive and doing whatever she needed to do to, to make that possible. And we learn that from her. We understand that she apparently had some sort of authority and understanding and level of high-level ranking because she was chosen above all her sisters to be given to Moses as wife. She was chosen because she probably led all the flocks and her sisters there to water them. She probably led in other household chores. She probably led in other things and taught her sisters how to be the daughter of a priest. So I really think that we can learn qualities of leadership from her as well. Scientifically, I asked myself, what type of mindset did she have to have in order to do this um, heinous act? <laughs> I mean, trying to put myself in her shoes and doing that, I can barely cut my own stuff, <laughs> let alone someone else. Others, I would... Um, Normally, I make disclaimers about, you know, I'm not a professional, but I will go ahead and do this for you. Um, but to do something like that, I would have to go in a completely different mindset that I don't know I'm even capable of doing. And so I did some research about brainwave frequencies, and I discovered there's five different frequencies that the brain state is in, uh, depending on different types of activity and I'll share that at this moment I'll post the, the different ones on screen but from these different types brainwave frequencies that a person could be in to carry out different mental as well as physical activities she was probably in beta wavelength and the reason being is that wavelength is attributed to someone focused on a task, someone who's alert and anxious and probably a little bit agitated, and someone who is in an active, fast-paced activity as well as in motion. So this fits her the most, and it's between 12 and there's some variance there. Some people say 30, 35, 33. I take the medium. So I say between 12 and 32 hertz. And to think that a woman 
think about it, a woman who is normally used to just handling tranquil sheep and cattle and going back and forth to do repetitive tasks such as feeding them, watering them, walking them, taking care of them, protecting them. These are very theta and alpha-like brave waves. So for a woman who probably stayed throughout theta and alpha wavelengths most of her life, all of a sudden is called upon to do something challenging and different that she's never considered before, has to elevate to another level of beta wavelength tells me that at times women, feminine women of God, we have to rise to meet a challenge that at times would appear to be beyond any of our capability, any of our thought processes, any of our understanding. But if we focus on it and trust the Lord and understand it's part of the covenant, he will see us through. I hope this story has brought some not only enlightenment, but assistance for you in your life. Let's pray right now. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us the story of Zipporah. I ask that you just bless all the women that are listening to it now. Even if some men are listening, let them understand that once there is a covenant made to God and there are certain uh, stipulations to that covenant, please fulfill it because you put women in a position to step up to that role so that we can make sure the blessing and protection of the Lord is upon our house. But I ask, Lord, mainly for the women that you help them rise to any occasion that they need to rise to in this hour in order to fulfill whatever you're calling them to do in their purpose in you. And any woman out there who desires to become closer to the Lord, Lord, I ask that you draw their spirit now and that uh, you look at their hearts, that they're willing and they're desirous and that you draw them closer and that the women would seek the Lord in various ways, praying to him, meditating with him, reading his word, worshiping him, seeking him and believing that he is going to make himself real to you. He is going to appear to you in a unique way that only you and him can understand, that only you and him can communicate with, that only you and him have this uniqueness of speaking. And so I pray that you stay in the Lord and that are matured and grow in him and are blessed by this. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's program was sponsored by Olive Swan. You can visit her at oliveswan.com. Browse her store, Pink Peach and Cream, and request a consultation or workshop in your local area. Subscribe to her blog at thefeminineprincess.com. Watch her YouTube videos and find the podcast notes at theartandscienceoffemininity.com.